You are dialed in to the Success Line Podcast, the place where you get a chance to phone a friend, call in a lifeline, and ask a favor of someone who's been there and done that. This is Real People getting one-on-one coaching with Success Entrepreneurship Editor and New York Times bestselling author, Rory Vaden. Here's Rory. Hey there, it's Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group and your host of The Success Line. What you're about to hear is a real-life conversation with somebody that I am just meeting about the actual struggles they are facing each and every day in their life and their business. You and I are going to meet them at the same time. We're going to have an honest talk and then stick around at the very end and I'll do a debrief and a recap highlighting some of the biggest takeaways that you can apply to your own life. Let's get started. Well, I am as excited as ever to be with you today on the Success Line podcast. Of course, my name is Rory Vaden, and this is a very special episode to me, a special edition because I am featuring Julian and Kirsten Saunders, who are really new friends of mine, and we met because uh, you know, I am technically the entrepreneurship editor here at Success Magazine, and then they are our money editors. And so we've kind of been like working together a little bit over the last several months, but we we really have just gotten to meet and we've never even really had a full dedicated conversation. So true to Success Line form, I'm going to be meeting them uh, just like I meet every guest really for the first time on here. I don't really know what we're going to talk about or where we're going to go, but um, they are experts and they talk, they have amazing content. They're so engaging. Uh, They produce a show called Money on the Table. Uh, They've got a great social media following. Of course, uh, you know, they talk about all sorts of components related to money and saving and just, you know, retiring early and all that kind of stuff. Um, But today they have chosen, they have self-selected to play the role of student rather than teacher. And they have, they have voluntarily subjected themselves to uh, counsel from myself, uh, just like any other guest, just to maintain the integrity of the show. But, um, they're super cool. You're going to love them. So they are the money editors at Success. Uh, they've been featured also in the New York Times and CBS, CNBC, um, Forbes. Like uh, They're just really awesome. And they have their first book coming out in 2022, which I think might be some of what we talk about. So anyways, Julian, Kirsten, welcome to the Success Line. Thank you. Hey, how are you? I'm doing so great. Um, I'm really, really excited about this. So tell us just a little bit about like your story, like, who are you? How'd you, how'd you get here? Uh, why are you in business together as a spousal couple and you don't kill each other? Like, uh, what, whatever, whatever else we need to know. So before I answer that question, or let me just say the way I'm going to answer that question is is so interesting because today, uh, as I was opening up Facebook, I, and I was reminded of memories, which is like one of my favorite things to do throughout the day, because you can kind of document where you were. And four years ago today, we officially launched a blog called richandregular.com. And we were talking about everything that we'd learned about money. We were talking about our careers, our sort of early experiences being real estate investors. And honestly, our frustrations with trying to pass on and share this information with other people. And so we basically Mm. said, you know what? We've tried sharing this stuff with you guys before, having casual conversations. Now we're going to take it to the next level. We're going to launch this blog and we're going to start really telling stories and talking about where life and money sort of intersect and how you really should be thinking about it differently. Uh, And so all of that to say, our story is, uh, I think, an interesting one. And and I'll I'll give you the brief version of it, which is that we met at work in 2012. Um, We could have not have been more different. Um, Things got hot and heavy really quick. We fell in love, sparks flew. And then we had our first conversation about money, which led Mm. to our big breakup um, because that's what really <laughs> the light, just how different we were, everything from our upbringings to our beliefs, all mm. of it. Um, but we got back together. We sort of repaired what was broken um, and we realized, hey, 
this is actually really cool because most people don't have a conversation about money uh, in relationships until after they are married. Uh, and so all of that to say, the process of getting back together, uh, learning and exploring our own histories, learning more about money is really the origin of what has become richandregular.com. And so now it is a multimedia platform. Uh, it's not just a blog. We have our podcast with success. Uh, we write articles for success. Uh, we have a few other clients that we write and create content for. Uh, and mm -hmm. you mentioned in your introduction, we're hosts and producers of an original series that we call Money on the Table, which is just another attempt for us to bring the message of financial education and financial literacy into spaces and into in, people who wouldn't normally want to engage uh, or even talk about money. And we have a yeah. book coming out. Oh, yeah. And there's there's yeah. a book coming out, too. The book. So <laughs> this, is, this is your first traditionally published book? Yes. And I, it's probably our first, like book period. I mean, we did like a short ebook that we used to offer as like a freebie on our website. I think it might've been 40 pages or something, but this is uh -huh. the first like serious piece of writing that we've done professionally and done together more importantly. Yeah. Wow. So, so did you, how did you write, is it, is the manuscript already done and, and turned in? Yeah. Well, the first version of the manuscript was, is turned in and we just finished the first big round of edits we're hoping it's the last one but there'll likely be a oh few there's at least six there's at least six more rounds coming just prepare yourself oh <laughs> by the time you have your final manuscript you will be so sick of your book like <laughs> i hate my books like because i'm just like if i have to read this one more time like uh so when you're when you're just getting sick of hearing yourself talk you're just starting to like do what we call break through the wall and like be heard by other, other people and um, writing a manuscript. Like everyone thinks that writing a book is writing a book. And we, we tell all of our clients and friends when you submit the final, like the first draft of that, the full manuscript, you are 20% of the way there to an actual book. Um, no, so I hope that's not the bearer bearer of bad news <laughs> for you. Way to be the turd in the punch bowl. Like, uh, <laughs> geez. But, but no, that's really helpful. And, you know, it's one of those things where when you're on the outside looking in, it is it is a dream. It You know, just the idea, particularly with working with a big publisher um, and one that is as respected as Penguin Random House. Like we were just mm -hmm. like over the moon excited about the opportunity and we still are. But to your point, admittedly, we are feeling the fatigue. I mean, we spent the greater part of, you know, I, I mean, we signed the deal just to, you know, tell a little bit more of that story. Yeah. We signed the deal while COVID-19 was happening. We were in New York while it was happening. I remember being in Chinatown and it was a ghost town. Like people were nervous. Mm -hmm. In fact, our acquiring editor couldn't make the actual meeting because she had just flown back from Italy and Italy was the place which was the epicenter of it all. And so we haven't even had a chance to celebrate get signing the deal. Um, and we've been trying to manage just being safe, being parents, uh, being mm. a married couple, being entrepreneurs and writing this book all throughout the pandemic. And so it's been a really, really interesting experience. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how else we could have imagined it, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, mm. been, it's been really difficult. And uh, we're, we're still, you know, this is some gas in the tank, but, you know, we're definitely feeling the burn a little bit in terms of editing. And it's, it's been a really difficult uh, experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, FYI, I'm with Penguin Random House. At least my first two commercially published books were both with Penguin Random House. So we're on the same team there. Yes. And um, it is. And, and, you know, it's this thing about writing. Uh, one of the best lessons that I've, I've ever learned, and we share this with a bunch of people, um, there's a story about Robert Kiyosaki. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but this this woman who's a writer comes up to him uh, and she's, she's a critic and she's talking about rich dad, poor dad. And she says, you know, I don't get it. I don't know why this book sells so well. I mean, it's not a bad book, but it's certainly not an amazing book. It's not that well written. There's not ideas in here that are brand new that nobody else has talked about before. And I just don't know why it sells so well. Cause it's just, it's not that 
well written. And he says, oh, well, that's because you got to remember, it's not called New York Times best writing author. It's New York Times best selling author. And um, most of the people who hit the bestseller list, we've had three clients hit the New York Times this year. Um, and it's a real weird time because of co- because of COVID. Like it's a real weird time for everybody in the publishing space. Um, uh, but the most of the people who hit the, the the you know bestseller list, it happens in the first like you know usually it's the first week, um, almost always the first like three or four weeks. Um, it's very rare that a book hits you know the bestseller list later if it didn't already hit. So. Um, and it in it and it is an endurance game. It is an endurance game. Uh, the this whole industry of personal branding, frankly, is an endurance game. Like people often tell me, Rory, you're so young. Like you're you're so young. And AJ, so a, my wife. I don't know if y'all know this, but my wife and I work together. We are business partners. Um, mm. We we met as business partners in our last company. We had a mutual friend. Um, we grew that company to eight figures. We sold it in 2018. And then we started Brand Builders Group, which is the company we run today. It's just the two of us. Um, AJ is actually the CEO. I am the CMO. So I do more of like the marketing stuff. But there's a lot of a lot of work here. And a lot of people burn out. But people say, well, oh, my gosh, like, you guys are so young. And it's uh, our response is always, I am I am fairly young in age time, so I am 39 right now, I think. But I'm old in stage time. I've been on stages since <laughs> I was 17 years old. So I've been yeah. I've been on thousands and thousands of, of of stages and hours and doing this. I've been I've been at it over 20 years. AJ and I've been in business together for 16 years, and um, a lot of it is just the endurance of hanging around and oh my gosh a book is the classic example of just like you think you're at the finish line and you're just like oh i'm so sick of this so hang in there on I that compare it to being, yeah i compared to being pregnant except it's not nine months it's been two years and i still <laughs> have like six more months to go and then once the baby is here it's like people already pressure you to do another one and like it's just it's a it's a whole thing it is I'm glad to hear you frame it that way because that's what it feels like. It feels like just a triathlon that never ends. And, you know, birthing a baby is actually a fairly good uh, parallel. I mean, you don't have the back pain um, and you don't uh, have, have weird dietary cravings. But what is true is that it is a lot of intense effort, particularly like nine months before the pub date. Um, and and particularly after the manuscript is finalized, which is, I'm glad that we're talking about this because we get calls all the time from people who say, oh, hey, Rory, uh, AJ, w- you know, we have a book uh, coming out and we heard about Brand Builders Group. And, uh, you, you know, we heard that you guys like are in this space a lot and, you know, help people do this. And, and then our first question is, when's the pub date? And they're like, it's in four weeks. And it's like, you're hosed. Like you, you, you missed it. You missed the, it's, it's not impossible, but it's pretty much impossible that the, uh, if you're going for a bestseller list, which is not, I mean, that's not the end all be all. It's not the goal. It shouldn't be the goal for lots of people. And even if it is, it's just like, it's just a thing, but it's a, if you are doing that, and even if you're not, we're big fans of putting all you have into this launch because this is your moment. Like this is the one time in your life where everyone rallies for you. Everyone comes together. They understand it. It's like having a, your first child. Um, now your second child, your third child, maybe they'll throw a party for you, but it's probably just <laughs> one. Your first child though, everybody's like bringing you food and what can I do for you? And like, you know, they're, they're all there help helping you after your second kid. They're like you on your own, man. Like, you know what? Yeah, you got this. So, and there's this, the, the nine month window of leading up to the launch and then uh, your pub date, um, you have to walk very, very closely with the book for the first couple years, at least the first several months after you launch it. And then like a child, presumably, if you do a good job raising the child, 
it eventually will catch a life of its own and then it will live on. But if you don't do a good launch, if you don't set up the right infrastructure, if you're not prepared or if you just burn out, which is easy to do because it's it's a marathon, um, that book will never catch flight and it, it like a child will never leave the home um, and it'll stay in your garage and it'll occupy uh, your garage space um, for a long, a long time. So um, so what questions do you have or like because I think that's what you wanted to talk about, right, is a little bit about the book. Yeah, I mean, we're at the nine month mark now. And I guess the question is, where do we start? Like, do we start by just becoming experts and and obsessed with the content of the book? Or do we assume that like it's in the manuscript manuscript review process, the feedback that we're going to get is very, very targeted at this point. And so, you know, paint by numbers in terms of finishing the manuscript and start honing in on like this marketing and sales plan? Mm -hmm. Well, I will give you an answer that is probably one that you might hear different from people in the industry. And the answer is it's New York Times bestselling author, not New York Times best writing author. It is a hundred percent at this point about marketing and promotion. Look, if you just think about it and you go, okay, most of the books that hit the bestseller list and I, I want to preface this by saying it's not about hitting a bestseller list, but that's just sort of a reference point for the conversation that people understand, because it also sig signifies doing a great launch, even if you don't care about the bestseller list or you don't hit them. It's not about that. It's about doing a good launch, like doing everything you want. You want to leave it all on the table for the next nine months. You'll never have another first book. You'll never have this kind of a welcoming party to the world for your brand. And you want to like hit that pub date with like, I did every single thing I could. And if you look at the data and you go, okay, most of the books that hit the bestseller list hit the first few weeks. Well, clearly it's not because of the writing. There's no way it could be because of the writing. Nobody has read the book. Like right. they, it's not based on the writing. I'm not saying you should write a crappy book. Um, we have a whole, one of our, we have, uh, so we have 14 courses inside of our curriculum. One of them is called Captivating Content. It's about writing brilliant, original thought leadership. But that's not what makes a, a great launch. What makes a great launch is a great marketing plan. And you're right, at this point, You've probably already committed the bulk of your ideation, your core beliefs, your core philosophies. Now, you also have to push hard to finish editing, right? So don't right. just like give up there. But right. uh, the, the real battle is just beginning. And, and here's a reason why, again, it's not the bestseller list, but the launch. You've worked too hard to write this book to not give it the justice it deserves of a quality launch because your book is, it's a compilation of your entire life. I mean, it's, you know, the, the way that Julian just described it to me, like this is even deeper than that. This is your, this is your marriage story. This is, mm -hmm. this is your, this is your story as a couple. Everything you've done has led up to this. And so you've put too much in to not take it the last 20 yards, like across the goal line. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're talking because if you have nine months out, um, I'll say this, you have enough time, but you don't have a lot of time. Uh, you got a lot, you got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to do. Um, and, uh, you know, the goal I assume is just, it, it's not about like some certain number or anything, but it is about getting as many people the book in as many hands as possible uh as you can yeah 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 we definitely want to make sure that our target audience knows that the book exists right we wrote the book that we wanted to read but couldn't find anywhere <laughs> and so it's important for us to get the word out that like this thing was written for people who look like you who have been in your circumstances and have some advice that they tried themselves and can point you to a bunch of to other people who have tried the same, you know, tactics and strategy. And so we just want you to know that it exists, whether you buy it right now, you know, we would love that obviously, <laughs> but like, just know that it's there as a resource for you when you're ready. 
Yeah, Rory, I would also say, <clears throat> excuse me, I would also say that we are, you know, pretty, I think, skilled at like sales and marketing. I think we've got a pretty good grasp on the importance of those things. And we incorporate a lot of what we already know into building our brand, our brand and our platform today. But obviously this is our first time writing and promoting a book. And so we're right. trying to think differently about, well, wow, like, first of all, how do we do that? And so it's, it's introducing, uh, or a lot of other, I would say amplification, um, tactics have introduced themselves. And so PR agencies and, and, you know, and I think part of what we're trying to figure out is like, we, we know we don't, I guess we don't know what not to do, what to ignore, but like there's a combination of like personal branding, taking advantage of your own uh, platform, partnering with other people who can help amplify your message, PR agencies, it's just like all the things. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know if, if the answer is to do a little bit of everything and we're struggling with trying to figure out, well, what do we need to double down on? Yeah. yeah. And what do we so, just need to flat out ignore? Yeah. Part of it depends on what your goal is. Like here's another, another classic thing that, you know, we share with people on this, which we learned the hard way, which is that, Writers write, editors edit, publishers publish, distributors distribute, retailers retail, publicists publicize, and nobody freaking sells the book. Nobody actually says, give me your credit card number and purchase this book. And that's why most books don't sell. And there is infinite number of marketing activities that you can do that create awareness and buzz and impressions and the kind of things that you do when you're building a personal brand that are, I would say, are not super effective at selling the book. Meaning mm. I need to collect money. Like this is part marketing, but really it's, there needs to be a transaction here. I give you book, you give me money, and it needs to happen on this on this date at this time, which is opening week. Um, and um, one of the reasons, if you don't already know this, why books also hit bestseller lists in the first week is because all of the pre-sales that happen all count on the first week. Mm -hmm mathematically that's the biggest reason why it happens on the first week um and so you know and that's because book scan you can't even report a skew so book scan which is the reporting vehicle that nielsen uses to report retail sold units that's the driver of the bestseller list for the wall street journal the usa today um and also for like IndieBound, IndieBound is the national bestseller list. So there's several different bestseller lists. Um, the New York Times is the trickiest of all because it is not a perfect science. It is an editorial list. It is not a, like an empirical list. Now, mm -hmm. BookScan plays a factor in that. It's, it's a big deal in how many units you sold. Um, but for example, when um, our first book it came out, Take the Stairs, we book scanned more units than uh, we, we hit number two on the New York Times, but we hit number one on the Wall Street Journal. That's because the Wall Street Journal historically is more empirically based. It's just a ranking of here's how many units were sold by the SKUs in these categories. So on the back of your book, right, there'll be like a one of these uh, little categories, right? So this is take the stairs. It's, it's categorized as self-help. Uh, I think they're called the BISAC codes, B-I-S-A-C. And certain bestseller lists pull from those codes, like the Wall Street Journal business bestseller list. And then the New York, the New York Times is different. It's called the advice how-to. Um, uh, and, and then there's, you know, and that it's tricky on the New York Times also because you're competing against like diet books, which traditionally sell a bunch of units. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas the Wall Street Journal business bestseller list is your, you guys are pretty like square in that. And you're, it's very like just nonfiction business books. But uh, anyways, we, we book scanned enough units theoretically to hit number one, New York times. Uh, we, we got number two, which we were actually super excited about because it's, it's actually um, another thing. If you don't already know this, it's quite difficult 
uh, especially these days for first time authors to hit the New York Times. Um, and that's because a lot of people have kind of like gamed the system over the years, meaning they bought their own book uh, and then uh-huh. they, you know, made it count through the retail reporting channels. Um, but the that's part of it, though, is understanding just the mechanics of, I mean, if you're going for a bestseller list, a lot of it is the mechanics of what list are you going for, which, what are the days that the sales count? There's actually a start and a stop time of, of when those count. But the, the biggest thing that I would say is focus on sales, not on marketing. Focus on creating a transaction. Um, now, when you look at um, actually selling the, the units, um, I'll share with you the number one way to move a lot of units quickly. This has um, been a huge part, even to this day, of how we sell a ton of books. Um, and we invented this term. We didn't invent the concept, but we did invent the term. We call it BILFs. Have you heard this term, BILFs? No. <laughs> okay. I like, immediately keep, went to try to guess. Keep it clean. Or... <laughs> keep it clean. No, it's not. It's not. It's not like uh, other similar sounding terms. <laughs> BILF stands for book in lieu of fee. Book in lieu wow. of fee. So what happens? Um, you know, if you're a consultant or you're a coach, or in my case, you know, I was a speaker. I am a speaker, and so I have my speaking fee, which is whatever the number is. Um, when we launched my first book, my speaking fee was like $7,500. Like it wasn't, you know, this is before I was a New York times bestselling author. So it was a different world back then. But, you know, let's just say it's $10,000 as your speaking fee. Well, a lot of times what people will do or a consulting fee, you could do this with any service. It's just book in lieu of fee. And so you go, okay, well, uh, you know, if I'm going to come do a speech for you for 10 grand or, if you buy 500 books at $20 each, that's 10 grand. And I give you the speech for free. Um, so we consider that an ethical way to generate sales because you're not buying your own books. There is an actual customer on the other end who is paying money. They're, they're demonstrating in, uh, you know, interest in your specific expertise. And that's how you can move a lot of books quickly. So you can, you know, if it's 500 units, you, if you do that with 10 people, that's 5,000 units. Uh, and if you move 5,000 units an opening week, you're probably in the running for like a wall street journal bestseller list, which is what we, we tell most of our clients to aim at the wall street journal list, just because it's, it's, um, it's not as political and it's more like right down the lines. Um, now we never to encourage people to buy their own books. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, exchanging service feels fair to us. Um, now, that's that's another thing about this is there are some gray areas here, too, right? As you go, there are some reasons to buy your own books. Like if you have clients, right, you might have some VIP clients that you want to have the book. Um, but that should just be a very small percentage of your total sales. Uh, you right. also might want to send your book out to a lot of people. Um, so that's you know, one thing is, is the bills is to go, all right, is there anyone out there that is interested that I could provide a service for? And I'm dedicated. I'm, I'm basically leveraging my time and my expertise as a way of creating a lot of units. Now, one of the problems with bills is that like for the New York times specifically, let's say you book scan 6,000 units on opening week. Well, when you when these retailers report the book sales, right, they'll they'll say, you know, bulk sales reported, which means that like you called a bookstore and ordered 100 copies or 200 copies. If in total, all these retailers report up to, let's say, the New York Times and they go, hey, 90 percent of the sales showing here are, are bulk or are bulk sales. The New York Times will throw that book, you know, throw the book off the list or sometimes they'll put it on the list with um, uh, like a dagger next to it, which, you know, nobody cares about. Like, who cares if you have a dagger like you still hit the list, but um, they're just alerting the, the community that there's bulk sales. But 
every personal brand sells in bulk, yeah. which, by the way, is the second best way to drive a lot of books is to do bulk incentives. So what happens is, um, you know, like you'll create a schedule and you do this for like your audience. OK, so bills are more for like. It's basically like a B2B environment, like what can you you do? But bulk is different. Bulk is saying, you know, you go to your super fans and your list and you say, hey, if you buy 10 copies, we'll give you a bookmark. If you buy 50 copies, we'll give you a free video course. If you buy 100 copies, you know, we'll do a private Zoom with you. If you buy 500 copies, like I'll come sing at your birthday party. Like, and <laughs> and and this is, by the way, I mean, this is part of it. And, and I, we have never historically had a huge list. One of the things that we particularly have, we have, uh, we've always been more of like a B2B company. And so we've never had millions of followers or millions of people on our email list. Um, and so we've had to do it all very scrappy. And I would say that's the whole point is when you do a book launch, this is basically like at a high level, the way to think about this is you need to call in every single favor, every little bit of relational equity or relational capital you have from everyone in your life. And you need to get them all pointing towards one thing at the same time, which is like the week before your book comes out. And it's I need people to send emails. I need them to send and post tweets for me. I need them to introduce me to podcasts that I can be on. I need them to, to, to get me on local radio shows and local TV shows. And um, that's what it is. And one of the things is bulk is going, let me create an, an incentive schedule for my biggest fans, the people who do follow you on social and who are on your email list and who are your past clients and give them an incentive, a reason to not just buy one, but to buy like 50. Um, because you'll, it's in many ways, it's just as easy to find one person to buy 50 as to find one person to buy one. Mm. Um, now mm -hmm. you just got to be careful with the reporting careful, just not careful. You just got to be aware of the fact that if that's all you do, then all of your sales will report as bulk and you you likely would not hit the New York Times. Um, again, it's not about the bestseller list though. Like at right. the end of the day, you go, I got 5,000 people to read my book, which means I have 5,000 fans. That's 5,000 people who can buy a book for a friend and pass it along. Like, you know, so part of this is just bigger than that. It's making an impact. If you do want to hit a bestseller list or you're curious about how to do it, you need to show, um, you know, that individuals are buying it as well. And typically, you know, you want to have a higher more than half of your total sales should be from individual people buying one unit at a time, say through Amazon, for example, yeah. uh, or Barnes and Noble or books a million or whatever. Um, and so the New York times would see, Oh yes, there's people buying this in bulk. That makes sense. That's, that's not illegal or unethical. That's, that's normal. People often buy good books in bulk, like people buy them for their company and their church. And that happens all the time, but there's also a, a sign of showing a lot of people are also buying it individually. Um, and, uh, so for that, and then I'll say this last thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up for a second and, and get some thoughts is give them an incentive to make an individual purchase. So just like you create an incentive for bulk, like you buy 50 at a time, the single most important incentive that must be in place is if you pre-order one copy of our book, we will give you blank. Now, functionally, the way that that happens is um, most often what you would do is you would drive people to your website and it lists out the incentives. If you pre-order a copy of my book, you will get these bonuses. Usually they're mostly digital or all digital. Get this free whatever reader's guide, checklist, Facebook group, yada, yada. Um, and so then, then the instruction is, what you need to do is click below, go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or IndieBound or Books a Million or Hudson or, you know, wherever, buy the book and then email us a copy of your receipt um, and include the receipt number. 
And then that's the mechanics of it because that's how you make sure the sales happen out through retail stores. Got it. Um, all right. So I know that's a, that's a lot. I mean, we have a, we actually have an entire two day program on this. So that's why I'm talking fast is just there's a lot to it, but I'm, I'm trying to get to it. So what questions do you have? Are you following that? Does that all make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I want to go back to something you said about being scrappy and just kind of leaving it all on the field. Obviously, we're not just writers. We have, you know, a, a business that we run and we're parents to a small child. And so for us, we're probably going to have to bring on some help mm-hmm. and establish some sort of book team. Yep. And so if you were to build a dream team to support mm. you in a launch, kind of what roles would you prioritize Ooh, for those people? What a great question. Um, all right. So that's a great question. I've never had that question, but here's how, here's how I think about it. So first of all, the number one thing you would need is like a project manager. Yeah. One person cannot do this. I had a chat one time with Donald Miller. Do y'all know Donald Miller from story brand? Um, mm-hmm. no, and, anyways, he's a close friend. He's a really great guy. He sold millions of copies of books. And, um, we were talking about how there's really no such thing as a New York times bestselling author there's really only such a thing as a New York Times bestselling team. Your question is spot on, Kirsten, because you can't do this by yourself. I mean, it doesn't happen by yourself. It happens because of a community and because of a team and because of leadership and because of there's a publisher and there's a lot of moving parts. And so the number one thing you need is a book launch manager to coordinate the moving parts, right? So in corporate speak, you would call it a project manager. In industry speak, we would call this a book launch manager um, because that's that's a component that you need. Now, underneath that, a lot of the mechanics that a lot of the the functional skill sets or the mechanics that you need here are very similar for running a personal brand. You need a graphic designer, you need a video editor, you need a copywriter, uh, you need a web developer, like, th- uh, and, and then you need a social media manager. Like those are, you know, like we think of those as like the key, the key five, graphic editor, video, a uh, graphic designer, video editor, copywriter, web developer, and social media manager. Those are like the key five um, that it takes. Now, in reality, you know, if you're lucky, you'll find someone who can do multiple roles, but it's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to be a creative who can also write copy and understand WordPress. Like it's tricky, but those are the functions that you need. And then, and they, they don't all have to be employees. They can be contractors or seasonal people you bring on. Um, but then you also typically are going to need a, pu- you're not, not typically, you're going to need a publicity function. Like either you can do that or your team can do it or you can hire it. Um, unfortunately, I would say the vast majority of our clients have spent a lot of money on publicity and had very little results. Mm. Publicity firms, similar to publishers, similar to sports agents and movie agents and music agents, they make their money on the big names. And so it's it's not that they don't want to support, you know, the newer people. It's just that that's not where they make their money. And, you know, like everybody, they got bills to pay. And um, and so you're typically competing with, you know, big name clients. And it's also harder for them to book you like because you're you, not as many people know you yet. Um, and so, you know, a, a, a lot of it is through relationships. Like uh, one of the things we do for, uh, well, with all the stuff that we do at Brand Builders Group, we don't charge for publicity. We just do it for like friends where we'll say, all right, you know, here's someone we believe in. We just want to introduce them to, you know, certain people in our network because we think it's a good match for both. Um, but most of publicity, even to this day, the, by far, most of the publicity that we get, we secure ourselves through relationships, which is one of the biggest reasons to host a podcast is because when you host a podcast, 
everybody comes to you when they have a book launch. And so you meet them and you help them in their time of need. And then you basically build this roster of people that you've helped so that when your book launch comes around, you're like, hey, you know, can I come on your your show and sort of return the favor? But you are going to need a publicity function. Um, and then if you really want to force growth, and this is not just for a personal brand, this is for, or not just for a book launch, this is for a, a personal brand or any business, the, the only guaranteed form of traffic that there is, is paid traffic. Uh, a lot of people shy away from running ads and stuff because it costs money, but it's the most predictable form of traffic. I can guarantee you that I can double the traffic to your website. It's super easy. You just have to pay for it. Um, right. Now, the way that you do that is you go, okay, I'm going to run ads to a free training to get somebody to pre-order my book. Now, the problem with that is that if they go buy the book from Amazon, the money's not coming to you. So you're out all of the ad spend. Um, but now you have captured their email address. And so once you have their email address, the key is to go is you got to build a follow up funnel on the back of that to then upsell something. Very commonly, you'll see like a $100 or $200 course that goes with it so that the goal is um, there's four four parts of this goal. So the first goal is to build your email list. Right. So I buy an ad. I drive people to a free training. If nothing else, I win. My first win is I capture an email. The second win is that they buy a book. So now they come in, they order that, you know, they go through your thing. You tell them what the bonuses are. They go to Amazon, they order or wherever. Then they come back to you and they submit their receipt for their bonuses. So so they buy a book. That's the second win. But on both of those um you know, they're not giving you money. <laughs> they're giving the money right. to the retailer, but you're supporting the retailers, which of course they love. Um, but you're, you're earning out your book advance and you're building your career and then blah, blah, blah. The third win, the third win is to get them to follow you on social. So now you have them in your email. And so now you want to use email to bolster them, your social media following. And then the fourth win is to upsell like a, you know, something in tip, a, a very common thing would be a video course for like a, a $200, something, anything, anytime you're selling things that have direct ROI, like how to be a better salesperson or a better entrepreneur, or in your case, since you guys are talking about money and you're teaching people like how to invest and how to save on taxes and how to grow your income and blah, 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 you can charge more. Typically things that are more pers personal development or spiritual, you know, you charge, you can't charge as much for, I mean, you right. can, you just won't get the same like conversion. So yeah. a little $200 course or something. And the entire goal would be to just make enough upsells on that $200 course to cover your ad spend. If right. you can do that, then you have a self-liquidating offer, which is funny because you go, it's a ton of work and you make no money from it. <laughs> but the goal, the goal is to force growth, to drive yes. your email list up um, and just cover your ad spend. So even though you make no money, you build your email list, you generate sales for the book, you grow your following on social, and then you set the stage to make money later. Um, you know, and so that's where like, cross domain tracking and you know dashboards and all that stuff like come into the equation but anyways that whole last monologue that i just did is all around another potential person for your team which is a paid traffic acquisition specialist mm. um this is somebody who understands facebook business manager they understand youtube and they understand uh google ads which you know, those are three completely different universes. Well, YouTube and Google aren't completely different universes, but a little bit, um, at least on the creative side, they are. Um, so you have that. Um, and then the, the other thing that you often have, of course, is like um, somebody that's trying, you know, if you're trying to do BILFs, it's typically like your speaking manager 
or your agent or somebody who's reaching out to companies and they're either trying to secure sponsorship deals uh, or they're trying to secure bills or consulting gigs or speaking. That's typically more of like, you know, an out an outside salesperson role. Right. Uh, um, but th- these are the things that move units that create transactions. Uh, posting on social media without directly driving someone to a sales page that says, here's the incentives that you get. I mean, it's a very low conversion. You don't know if it works. You can't measure it. You're hurt by the algorithm. If they do buy, they probably don't buy when you need them to, where you need them to, right? So yeah. you see, this is there's a lot of parts to this puzzle. This is really helpful because one of the things that we were um, trying to figure out is like, when do we, like, what, what, obviously you're trying to manage our time, right? We've parents, we've got other things going on and we're trying to think about, you know, how we manage our time to make sure that we're creating the space and the capacity and the energy that we need in order to lead into this book launch. And what you're really reminding us is that, well, you know, you really should be thinking about the six to nine months out and you really should start banking that energy and building that team and planning out what that strategy is uh, so that you're not scrambling or just, deciding to leave some things uh, out uh, when it's time to go launch. And so we really obviously put a lot of love and time and energy into this book. To your point, one of the worst things that could happen is that no one ever reads it because we never really had a time to effectively sell it. And so this is yes. really, really helpful because it's it's forcing us to, you know, well, not forcing us, but it's, it's helping us to remind, it's reminding us rather that, we're not done when you're done with the editing, right? Like, and as we've heard that before, that, you know, it's just started, right? The real work begins. And that is like a marathon on the back end of the marathon. Yeah, totally. So a couple things on on, on that to what you said. So um, actually in, in my first book, Take the Stairs, we talk about a concept called harvest seasons. And we talk about how work-life balance is not really the way that life works. We rarely spend equal time in equal areas of our life. The real way that life works is you have seasons of intense, of varying intensity in different areas. You guys, this is one of the greatest and most important harvest seasons of your life. You will never, ever get another chance to launch your first traditionally book, uh, you know, publisher. And the future of your publishing career, a lot of that is set by the the trajectory of what happens with this first book, right? Um, you have the shot of a lifetime. Just getting to where you are is a dream that most people never even get a chance to do. And so really the first thing, if you don't already have it in terms of your team is like, you need nannies and babysitters and house cleaners and lawn mowers and a, and a repair person. And so you need to get on care.com and hire somebody. You need to get on tackle or task rabbit. You like, you got to call grandma and like, grandma, can you come like move in for a few months? Like it, it is. Excellence is never an accident. Mm. There is no successful book launch that happens as an accident. Make no mistake about it. You are entering into a season and, and again, it takes a team. The first team is your family. And it's like, if the kids are old enough, you got to kind of talk to them and be like, Hey, like we're entering into a mommy and daddy are really important time right now and, and bring them in, right? Like, get pictures of them holding the book and like get, have them at their, I mean, the best thing ever is that your kids are at the book signing table and they're like, please buy mommy and daddy's book, please. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> best sales tactic ever. Right. Like, and it's just kind of like all, um, ego has to go out the window and you, you have to ask everyone in your life for help and yeah. enroll them into this. Right. And I think too many of us are like, okay, I'm going to be the best selling author and you carry the weight and you have to do everything. And that's the most likely to fail and the most likely to burn you out and the most likely to piss off everyone around you for this to work. Your family's got to be in on it. Your team's got to be in on it. Your community's got to be in on it. And, you know, like you both have said this several times, like what's the most important thing to do 
Here's what I would say. The lazy thing to do is to hire a publicist who doesn't know you, pay them a bunch of money, and hope that they're going to get you on Good Morning America and it's going to sell a bunch of your books. Now, <laughs> let me just tell you, we, I was just on Good Morning America three weeks ago or four weeks ago or something. Nothing. Zero noticeable units in book sales. But you know where we do see units? is when I get on my friend's podcast and my friend, you know, John Acuff goes, y'all, Rory is the man. I've known him for 10 years. I believe in this guy. He's the real deal. Like, I want you all to go sign up for a free call with his company. Whoosh, right? Lewis Howes says that, or Donald Miller says that, or Shalene Johnson says that. And they don't have to be... They don't have to be people that are that well known. I'm using those people because those are real life relationships. The point is leverage relationships that are close to you. A close relationship with a small following is more powerful than a distant relationship with a large following. A, a, a close relationship with a small following is more valuable than a distant relationship uh, with a large following. So uh, you guys have a great community. I would immediately start with your, your street team. So this is one of the tactics, right? Is you immediately start your book launch team. By the way, how do you get on the book launch team? Great. Pre-order a copy of the book, send us your receipt, right. and you get to be on our exclusive book launch team. So now they're pre-ordering a copy. Now the, the, the trick of this is, First-time authors, if your platform's not big enough, you might not want to do that. You might want to just have people volunteer because you don't want to create the barrier of buying the book for people to get in because you need a lot of people in your street launch team. Now, what is your street launch team? Uh, your street launch team, uh, and we're coming right up on time. Uh, I knew that we would, but is basically an affiliate launch. It's an affiliate launch and you want to go I, you write the emails for them to send out. You write the social media captions for them to post. You give them the graphics for them to post. And everybody wants Oprah to do a post. I would say, don't go to Oprah. Let Oprah come to you. Like, you know, you don't call Oprah anyway. She calls you. So what you want to do is become so good that other people can't ignore you and they start calling to you. The way you do that is enroll the people close to you, tell them your vision ask for their help, be totally humble, say, you know, can we do this together? Like if you've, if you've ever gotten value from anything I've ever done, can you please just copy and paste this on your Facebook page on this date? And it's, it's just a bunch of people doing that. Like, I think that the best launches and who cares about the bestseller list? If you get a small community who believes in you and they believe in your book and they like you and they trust you and they go tell their 300 friends and family to buy, that's impact and that's a team. Uh, and that's really the team you need. So I would say, love the people who love you. L spend time with the people who already know you and call in every single desperate favor that you can. Yes, this was the exact coaching <laughs> that we needed, like literally exactly what we needed going into the to the weekend and just, you know, being at the point where we're ready to make decisions about where we invest our money and our time and our energy. This was so, so helpful. Well, I love hearing that, y'all. I will um, I will help you with your book launch. There is a there's a bunch of people. I can introduce you to almost every, almost every one of our clients at Brand Builders Group has a podcast, right, of some type. So, but um, here's what I want you to do is just send me a one paragraph write-up of what you would want me to send out. And I will go through and I'll curate a hand-selected list of a few people that I think would be worthwhile connections for you. Um, wow. And I'll, I will, I will raise my hand and I'll be the first one on your launch team to see if I can help open a, f a couple doors for you and, um, and see what we can do. Oh man. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are thank awesome. You. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I know you have to run. I have to run. We believe in you. You can do it. It's a harvest season. Go all in. 
get your family on board, get your team on board, get your community on board and start with the people who are closest to you. They're the ones that care the most and they've got the most invested into it. You can do it. Who cares? Don't worry about the stupid bestseller list. Just do everything you can to activate your whole community. And uh, we'll look forward to watching it all happen from uh, the front lines. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. That's right. What a powerful conversation with money editors uh, of Success Magazine, Julian and Kirsten Saunders. They are my fellow editors here at Success. I uh, write and contribute for entrepreneurship. They oversee money, and what a pleasure to have them as guests here on the Success Line podcast, and so cool that they were willing to play the role of a student and uh, outside of that, their their normal role of teacher talking about book launches. And I think this is super important. Now, even if you're not an author or don't ever plan to be an author, if you are a, an entrepreneur of any type, like at some point you have a launch to do, you have to tell the world that you are there. And as I think about my three biggest takeaways from that conversation with the Saunders, the, the first one is this, that everybody likes to market and nobody likes to sell. And if you want to be successful, you got to sell. Like someone has to raise their hand and say, I am taking responsibility. I am taking accountability. I am taking it as a, as a personal commitment to make sure that I go sell this thing, that this thing gets sold, not just that people hear about it, but that actual transactions take place, that there is a financial exchange of money for books or whatever the thing is that you're launching. And too many authors don't understand that. And and they defer that responsibility naively, thinking that their publisher's gonna do it. Publishers don't do that. Publishers actually don't know that much about selling books because that's not what they do. They don't sell books. They they publish books. They 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 make books. They edit books. They produce books. Um, they help books get distributed. But publishers are not the ones who talk to end consumers and tell them which books they should buy. That's not what they do. They they talk to buyers, you know, buyers in bookstores and things like that to say how many units they should stock. But that that's not at all the same thing as convincing someone to actually buy the book. Um, a lot of those kinds of sales happen on consignment anyways. If they don't get sold, they get shipped back to the publisher. So you got to generate the demand for what you do. Right. If you're the author, if you're the entrepreneur, if you're the salesperson, like you, you got to say, my success is up to me. I'm accountable and responsible for the results of my life and my business. And I'm not going to leave that up to chance and I'm not going to leave it up to other people. I'm going to figure it out. And if you don't feel confident selling, I mean, as humbly as I can, as I can say, please go to RoryVadenBlog.com and follow me and check out our pressure-free persuasion class that we teach. I believe it's the best sales training that is available on the market. And it's a totally different type of selling. It's a, a proprietary system that we developed at Brand Builders Group to help people who are mission-driven messengers to learn how to sell. People who want to make an impact in the world and um, and don't really love the like pitching and the salesy kind of like traditional stuff, but you got to learn how to do it. And we'll teach you how to do it the right way, the ethical way. But, uh, you know, you still got to, you still got to take responsibility for it. And we're going to teach you how to do that. So, you know, everybody loves to market. Nobody loves to sell. And if you want to be successful, you better learn how to sell, baby. You better learn how to sell. Number two, true biggest takeaway from that conversation with the Saunders is when you're in launch mode, you got to leave it all on the table. You got to leave it all out on the field. You got to realize that you are entering into, uh, as I mentioned in my first book, Take the Stairs, we refer to these as harvest seasons, just like farmers have harvests. 
um, you know, the world operates based on seasons. Retailers have Christmas season. Accountants have tax season. Athletes have, you know, playoff season. Uh, artists, musicians have new albums launch seasons, right? And, and this is true. You know, business owners have launches. Authors have book launches. There, this is a season. When you're going into a launch, it's a season. And you got to realize and make the decision that, you're going to imbalance your life in this direction for the short term that you're going to deliberately intentionally imbalance your time, your energy, your resources in order to create this result, to create this breakthrough. That's what the harvest season of or the harvest principle of schedule is all about, which is the chapter in take the stairs where we describe this. And just most people don't understand this. Like, if you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. If you want to create a huge breakthrough moment, you have to deliberately skew and overweight your attention in one direction for a short window of time. And you got to leave it all on the table. And it's worth it to leave it all on the table. Why? Because you put too much effort into building your product to not have anyone know about it, to not have anyone hear about it. And, and this is devastating. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the, the conundrum of the starving artist. They, they think, oh, well, if my art is good enough, people, people should find me. No, baloney. Like, it's not, jobs, it's not other people's job to find you. Part of your art is helping people find you. Marketing is art. Marketing is art. Marketing is a part of your artistry. If you're not willing to do it, then you have incomplete artistry because no one's ever going to hear about it, which is fine. It doesn't mean that the art isn't it isn't valuable or isn't good. It just it, I mean, it just means that it's it's not valued by that many people. And so because they don't know about it. So you got to go into this season, learn how to market, learn how to you know focus and, and give yourself permission and enroll your friends and family into helping you and having them be a part of the mission. It's, it's a goal. Remember, there is no such thing as a New York Times bestselling author. There is only such a thing as a New York Times bestselling team. You got to have a team and it, it, it's everybody. If you create massive success in your life, it's going to be because everyone in your life rallied around you. So be clear about that, understand it, embrace it and do it. Like leave it all out on the table. My third big takeaway from this conversation that we had with the Saunders, which I love, I just think they're just the best. They're so cool, um, is leverage your relationships. Leverage your relationships. Here's what I think, again, is a little bit naive. I would say it's wrong. I think it's uh, maybe not wrong, but I would say it's a mistake to do this. And I think this is what most people do is they try to go out and market to a bunch of strangers and they, and they think like their big strategy, their big idea for how they're going to like become a best-selling author or a best-selling, whatever the thing is you're selling is they're like, yeah, I, I, I want to get Oprah to talk about my thing. Good luck with that. Right. Right. Like uh, good luck trying to get to Oprah or to Reese Witherspoon or the rock. Like, yeah, if that happened, amazing. But it's, you can't leave your life's success up to chance. You don't want the success of your product to be a gamble. You don't want the success of your product to be dependent on something that you have almost no control or influence over. And so we have these fascinations and these fantasies that somebody else is, is out there that is going to help us. I'm going to, I'm going to, pay a PR firm a few thousand bucks a month and they're going to solve this problem for me, right? Like somehow they're going to, you know, convince all these major influencers about how awesome I am and get all those people to talk about it. And, and, and those people, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, pay my PR company a few thousand bucks. And just based on that, they're going to convince a bunch of celebrities to care about what I'm doing. And then all those celebrities are going to get all their people to care about what I'm doing. No, like, no, no. Like that is, it's just not a good plan. It, it's, it's, that's like a dream. That's a wish that, that, that's luck that gets added on top of momentum that you build. And so the, the way that you do this instead is leverage the relationships that you have. 
leverage the relationships that you have and, and, and ask for help from the people that you know. And probably the biggest moment for me personally, uh, which I've never even said this before, it sort of fell out of my mouth in that conversation is that a close relationship to someone with a small following is more powerful than a distant relationship with someone who has a large following. A close relationship with someone who has a small following is more powerful than a distant relationship with someone who has a large following. Get your fans to activate. What does that mean? It means you give them you give them copy that you write up some emails they can send out, write up some stuff they can post on social media, give them some graphics, start with the people closest to you, not furthest from you, right? Oprah is farthest away. Reese Witherspoon for most of most of us, right? She's pretty far from us, but who's close to you? The people who are inside your home, the people who you see every day, the customers that are already buying from you, the people who already trust you, the the lives that you're already impacting, the, the friends that you pour your life into building these relationships. Ask those people for help. Like, ask those people to help you. And the thing is, is just don't try to sell to them. Ask them to help you promote. And I think that's the that's another mistake that people make is they go out and they try to sell to all their friends and family. Don't do that. Ask your friends and family to try to help you promote and it won't be weird and, and they're the most likely to help you. And, and you know, if, if they all activate their networks, it's going to be huge. So leverage your relationships. But, you know, all in all, a book launch, a product launch, a business launch, launching your nonprofit, launching your idea, your movement out into the world it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes commitment, it takes relentless execution, it takes discipline. All the things that we talk about in our books, on our blog, uh, at Success Magazine, here on the podcast, but your, your success is up to you. Take it into your own hands, figure out what you have to learn in order to make it happen, and then activate your network and go make it happen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the success line. We'll catch you next week. Keep coming back. We'll keep you inspired. We'll keep you motivated. We'll keep you equipped to go out and dominate your dreams. If you would like to appear on the success line, head to success.com slash success line guest to fill out the application form. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate review. And most of all, tell your friends, this has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.